0: My guest today is Aaron Reed, the founder of Focused Solutions Advocate. He provides a service that is crucial to healthcare professionals that have reached the point of admitting that they have a substance abuse problem and need help. How do they support themselves when they're getting that help? And that is what we're gonna talk about today. Welcome, Aaron.
1: Thank you. It's nice to be here.
0: I'm so glad you had the the time to come and do this. I think this will be some great information for our listeners. As I mentioned to you the first time we spoke, this is a process that I actually haven't given much thought to because my involvement ends before the healthcare professional gets there and it's not something that I have lived. So I'd like you to share your story with us and tell us how that evolved into Focus Solutions Advocate.
1: Yeah, thanks, Terry. Um, So I was a uh, certified registered nurse anesthetist uh, in my first year of practice uh, when I began to experience my own substance use disorder issue. Um, At that time, um, I sought treatment um, at a treatment center and during that period of time, I, I was just concerned with how I was gonna make ends meet, uh, what I was gonna do about my student loans, which everyone seems to have these days. Uh, what about my mortgage? All these different financial issues that I really couldn't get the treatment I needed for. Um, everyone was was more than willing to help me address my substance use disorder, but how was I gonna make ends meet in the mm-hmm. meantime? And so um, I applied for uh, disability benefits um, through a group policy that was provided through my employer. I was denied two times and finally uh, was victorious and uh, received my benefits on the third attempt. And this was a whopping 18 months later. Uh, so in, in, in that meantime, you know, I was really struggling financially. I was uh, probably seeking uh, less treatment than what was necessary uh, in order to avoid racking up more medical debt. And it was front and center in my mind. Um, And it was something that uh, I I prioritize over my recovery potentially. Um, And so I took what I learned from that experience and I formed a company called Focus Solutions Advocate. And what we do is we help um, healthcare providers that are suffering from substance use disorder uh, to apply for and obtain disability benefits uh, in order uh, for them to be better able to focus on, on their recovery, essentially, um, and ensuring that uh, they're not going to go back to work, um, you know, prematurely um, and, and enter, re-enter a situation and an environment where their drugs of abuse potentially um, are present. And uh, since then, it's been about 10 years now. Um, we've had over 100 clients. Um, our success rate is around 92%. And we've really, um, you know, embedded in, in, uh, in, in ourselves in a few treatment facilities to offer this service, um, as well as the American Association of Nurse Anesthesia and several uh, physician health programs that are that are run by different states. Um, so it's it's really it's really evolved to be sort of a boutique uh, company um, where we're able to give that uh, that one-on-one attention to our our clients and really hold their hands and help guide them through a period of. Uh, their life that's incredibly uncertain um, with regard to everything, occupation, license, relationship. So if we can tick the box of uh, you know creating um, uh, an income for them while they're focusing on recovery, working the steps, getting a sponsor, doing all those things that are necessary,, uh, we feel that we're we're definitely part of a, a multidisciplinary team, if you will, um, that really isn't 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 really considered or or addressed traditionally. So, We definitely fill uh, a a niche we've been we've been successful and it's also a very gratifying um to to run
0: yeah no i bet so first congratulations on your i guess about 10 years of uh your recovery journey that's fantastic How long do can disability benefits last and, and what is the criteria to receive it in general? I'm sure there's a lot to it, but kind of what does that look like? What could somebody expect to get if they're successful in, in getting that
1: insurance? Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, so really, the uh, the the one caveat is that the individual who's suffering from substance use disorder um, has to have sought treatment while they were covered by their disability policy. So we have some uh, draconian employers that still fire their um, their pharmacists, their their nurses, their physicians on the spot if they're suspected of diversion, um, or if they come forward with um, any type of a substance use disorder issue. Um, that's less than half, I would say. The other, the other majority of employers are a lot more sensitive to this issue, a lot more progressive in that they keep the, uh, in, in, the employee on um, and put them on um, paid leave, essentially, while they're receiving treatment um, at, at, a, at a certified facility. So while the individual um, is still covered, um, you know, by their uh, either short-term or long-term disability policy and having sought treatment, that essentially at that point qualifies for, um, you know, disability benefits. And so what we do is we, we, we guide them through the application process with uh, the, the end goal in mind is to uh, receive disability benefits until the point that they return to uh, their regular profession or some other profession. Mm-hmm. Um, traditionally with these group and, and private policies, uh, the cap on a mental health disorder is uh, 24 months. And so oh. really what, what, what our goal um, is, is to sort of extend the period of time that the client can be out of work. A lot of them want to return as quickly as possible to to you know really pay those bills, get back on their feet financially. Uh, but if we can extend that out for them um, a year, eighteen months, even if we can extend that time that they're that they're recovering before reentering their practice, that's really that's really what 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 our what what our goal is.
0: Yeah, that that's fantastic because I can only imagine you know, the uh, along with, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my license. Oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my job. Oh my gosh, how am I going to support my family, right? Depending on whether there's a second income or, or what the situation is. And you can't, I don't think, they have to be ready to get past that to think, okay, I can deal with that and take this step by step. You know, right now my health is what's important, but they've been making that work, right? Making it work theoretically for a while. And so, I, I this is a huge piece. I think of that in having that conversation with them, which I don't imagine is a conversation that. Well, I know I don't in that interview process, right? When you're trying to come on, let me help you. If only you let me help you, you know, it's like, ah, how are you going to help me? You're going to pay my bills, you know? You're going right. to let me come yeah. live with you. Yeah. Um, so I I see this as an extremely crucial conversation that probably needs to be put into that whole interaction. Mm -hmm. Are you, I mean, does this happen at at facilities? Are you guys in there having that conversation?
1: No, I think you're right. I think it's a wonderful incentive for any um, individual who is reluctant to leave their practice, go to treatment and and stay away for a period of time. Um, you know, we often talk about the emotional aspect of it, the familial aspect of it, the licensure aspect of it, but really how, how, how are they going to pay their bills, um, you know, when this, when this happens? And so my advice to the, the treatment facilities that I've uh, worked with and sort of the protocols that we've formed also with some of the uh, medical associations that we work with is that when, um, when a nurse or a physician or, or a dentist uh, calls in about their substance use disorder and uh, they're asking for help, they're wanting to take time away from practice that's the first touch point and that's probably the point when we want to become involved uh because the 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 number one error that uh, a client can make is to call their disability company on their own without having us present or without us facilitating or liaising that conversation because the first thing that the insurance company is going to ask is uh, why, are, why are you no longer working and they're probably going to say because my license was suspended uh, and that's what we call a legal disability. That's not a medical disability. Mm-hmm. So we try to help the client frame their disability as a medical disability. And a lot of these, uh, a lot of these policies are own occupation policies as well. And the insurance companies, um, bless their hearts, will, will try any trick in the book in order not to pay out yep. these claims. And so they're going to suggest to the client and maybe even convince them that, Hey, you know you can still go out and dig ditches wait tables uh, wash dishes mm-hmm. so i don't know if you're truly disabled um and so we step in at that point hopefully from the very beginning we have that initial conversation with the insurance company and we reassure them that yes we've read the policy yes they are eligible this is an own this is an, uh, an own occupation policy and really it's not any of your information whether or not they're in trouble with the board their licenses revoked or, or suspended we will provide you with medical records in order to substantiate this claim that are within the purview of your investigation whatever you, you you're not going to get everything that you ask for you're going to get what 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 we wish to provide and we're going to fulfill the requirements of uh, of substanti- substantiating this claim um, right. in a manner that's you know efficient and really avoids those disqualifying statements
0: sure okay that makes sense well and in a lot of states the licensing boards are so far behind that their licenses aren't suspended yet because it's just happened, right? right. They've, they've just true. been caught. Um, but you're right, it's it's how we blunder into things because we don't know what the right answers are to the questions, and then that they that is taken and then made something else out of, and then we've just ruined it for ourselves without even realizing what we're doing. Okay, so I, I can see, you know, facilities that that really do want to help their healthcare professionals need to be given the information that, number one, and I think if they really do wanna help, they're already on board with, we're not gonna terminate you. We're gonna allow you to use what insurance there is. I know I've worked with facilities that have that approach, which is fantastic. But then on top of that, that's just the first step. It's not that easy. You have to get past the insurance people and answer the questions the right way, which are the truth. It's just how how everything is phrased, right? And set up. So I get that. Yeah, and then you touched on something about you know when they're I mean 24 months that that's a pretty substantial amount of time. I recognize I don't know what proportionally the disability insurance is to their paycheck. Um, I don't think it's exactly everything that they would be bringing home, but it's um, probably an amount that at least, makes a big difference and then it gives them longer. So do you typically see people staying in treatment longer when they have that disability insurance? Cause they can kind of just put that in the background and then focus, cause as as we know, if, you have an issue there's a lot of things you need to get to the core about right it's not just you know okay stop doing drugs i mean it's how do i handle my stresses how do i have how did i get here in the first place and how do i approach everything and handle everything so i would imagine that takes quite a bit of time to work through all of that
1: no absolutely and and you really touched on a good point there when you said focused that's uh how we derive the name of our company focused solutions mm-hmm. advocate and what we're what we're trying to do is to allow the client to focus on what's most important and that's that's treatment um, and what we've heard from the peer assistance organizations uh, medical associations and treatment centers that we've worked with is that uh, the patient is much more adherent much more compliant when the conversations they're having with their treating physicians aren't around disability, aren't around when can I return to work, aren't around uh, really the money and and the income aspect of recovery. It's a legitimate part of recovery, but when we're available to liaise not only with the treating physician about getting these documents together and these forms filled out, but also the insurance company, it really frees up um, a lot of bandwidth um, for the individual to um, not only remain adherent and compliant and hopefully sober, but they're also more likely to uh, seek additional treatment. Generally, it's 28 days. Uh, That's the minimum requirement. And we've noticed that our our patients tend to stay longer because they can afford to do so. And they have a recognition um, of their chronic um, issue and they want to seek additional treatment for that. Uh, It also um, downstream uh, increases utilization of aftercare, which is the portion of treatment that takes place after the patient is discharged from their, uh, their partial hospitalization. Um, portion of treatment and um, also uh, individual um, outpatient care or uh, or iop as well so what we're seeing is that they're engaging in treatment better they're seeking more treatment um, they're staying sober as a result of this and they're again pushing back that 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 piece of returning to work on their on their own time frame when they're comfortable with it because if they were anything like me what i had to return to uh, was the operating room um, to drugs that I had, um, you know, previously been addicted to, and you can liken that to an alcoholic being asked to uh, ten bar, if you will. Right. So we we, we want to make sure that they're on the most solid footing possible, um, so that when they return to that environment and that we can reduce that that risk of relapse um, significantly.
0: Right. Yeah. And when you return too early, I mean, it's just. It, I, I don't know. I, I hear about these 28-day treatments, again, not having been through this, but it just doesn't seem very feasible that this is something you could be successful at with that short period of time.
1: Yeah, yeah. These are, you know, usually very, very high-functioning physicians, dentists, nurses um, that have uh, well-established defense mechanisms, uh, potentially a touch of, of um narcissism
0: but a, um, touch, a touch a touch
1: <laughs> well, I'm trying to think for myself too with yeah. statement but yeah I would say that i would say that these these highly accountable professionals are used to handling situations on their own being in control yeah. and they have a medical background and they're mm-hmm. being asked to become the patient for the first time in, in their lives um, to let go trust the process uh, this doesn't come naturally to these, you know, these high achieving people that have worked very hard to get um, where they're at and who have right. the expertise to push back on all these recommendations. Right. Um, and so if we can become involved um, and, and, and really take down um, the, uh, the level of concern um, and increase the level of, um, of, of well-being um, mm-hmm. and, and serenity, if you will, to use a recovery term, then I think we're headed in the right direction
0: right okay and so do you work in any state with any treatment center
1: that's right yeah okay that's right yeah we've worked on in almost all 50 states Um, we have worked like i said with um, large uh, medical associations and physician health uh, programs as well and we've also enjoy a really good word of mouth as well Um, a lot of times we'll work with an with an outpatient counseling center where uh, a patient has gone after treatment and they'll be so satisfied with our um, services that they'll, they'll go on to recommend that to other people. So we don't really have um, any boundaries geographically with, with the people that we'll, work, that we'll work with. Okay.
0: And so for those listening at any facility, anywhere, if they are in an interview situation with a suspected diversion case, if they can incorporate your information to give to this employee, if there's an admission or even if there's not, but they're pretty convinced that there's something going on, a take home for them yeah
1: yeah it would be if it were up to me they would be you know anyone performing an intervention on a healthcare professional suffering from addiction uh, would slide our card across the table at some point during that initial conversation and let them know that you're not going to lose your house you're going to be able to put food on the table for your children and everything is going to be okay and i think what the real clincher is is that we work on only a contingent. Uh, we work on a contingency fee only basis. Okay. So that means that um, if we work for you for a couple of months, maybe three months, and our, you know, all of our claims and our appeals are unsuccessful, you don't owe, owe us a single dollar. There's nothing upfront, especially in a situation where you've just lost your job. That's very important for people. Right. There's no deposit. There's no retainer. And typically, if you were to hire a, a, a large uh, law firm to do this same type of work. They would probably turn you away because you're not no. lucrative <laughs> enough of a client. Right. Uh, if they did accept you, the general fees are anywhere between forty and fifty percent at the national level, and we charge um, less than half of that. Okay. Um. So when I share that contingency fee only, very right. low fee, and the fact that I've walked a mile in their footsteps. Yes. Again, this usually, um, you know, brings a little bit of peace of mind to the situation, brings a sense of uh, camaraderie. Um, you know, and a sense that uh, everything is going to be okay. Right. Uh,
0: yeah. I think if they know that you get it from all levels, then then they're less likely. Yep. Uh, question for you in terms of reintegration, slightly off topic, but having been in the OR, having been involved with treatment centers and, and seeing the successful outcomes or maybe not as successful outcomes, what are your thoughts? I know there's kind of two camps Especially in the OR, when it comes to reintegration with a CRNA or anesthesia provider, what are your thoughts on going back into the OR? Uh,
1: you know, I used the analogy before of of an alcoholic tending bar. Um, it's not impossible, but the recovery has to be, um, you know, real real stringent. They had they have to have spent enough time away from the operating room. That those those cues um, will still be present, but the knee-jerk reaction isn't there. Um, and, and this is a this is a pretty uh, high-risk uh, uh, population to work with. It. You know, returning back to the operating room means that they're going to be handling their drugs, their their previous drug of choice, day in, day out, all throughout their shift, 24/7. They're going to be in situations where. They're going to be alone with those drugs and they're also going to uh you know know all of the um, tactics to uh to divert to hide right. um their their use and so what what i've seen work most successfully is that the individual stays out of work at least 18 months um that's going to cure a lot of the um, you know uh, anatomical issues that's going to you know deal with some of those um, trigger and uh, response mechanisms, the post-acute withdrawal syndrome. but once they return to work they need you know they need to be monitored as closely as possible. And there aren't a lot of employers that really look forward to you know accommodating their employees <laughs> in this way when they can just go yeah. to the, go to the next applicant. Right. So there are there are some anesthesia facilities there are some anesthesia, um, facility, are some an- anesthesia companies. Um, that are more understanding when it comes to this and some facilities um, that, are, that are more understanding as well. But once they've gotten through that credentialing process and are allowed to work within the hospital, um, as I said before, it's going to take a lot of a lot of monitoring. They're going to be monitored from the board as far as random urine urinalysis are concerned and, and check-ins on that level. Uh, but there also should be a monitor um, at the facility, someone who is uh, completely aware of the situation, um, who's had it explained to them, what this new um employee is going through so that they can sort of shadow them they can mentor them back into the field and they can keep an eye on them really um uh pretty closely for the at least the first three to six months um but people do return successfully some people don't don't, but some people do so it, it it certainly is possible um for a lot of these people they become so highly specialized and so highly trained that there's really not they think that there is not other work that they can do um, now, I personally um, did not return to anesthesia. I felt that the, the, the risk re- re- reward really wasn't there for me. And I pivoted and used my medical background to begin working for, um, a, uh, within industry um, for a pharmaceutical company. So that's another thing that I tell my clients. A lot of these people say, you know what? I don't think I can go back to work. I, I really don't trust myself around these drugs and this environment any longer. And maybe it was the stress that was getting to them that, that sort of uh, nudged them in the direction right. of using in the first place. Right. And so I can have that conversation with them. I can say, I have spent a year or more, uh, you know, applying to 10 jobs a day, figuring out how to interview for other things and really pivoting and molding the experience um, and education that I have uh, and parlaying that or leveraging it into a completely different career. And, and it is possible.
0: Yeah, very possible. Very possible. And so that's, yeah. And probably comes back to a little bit of the narcissistic. Oh, I can get back in. I can do it. And maybe those are the ones we need to be worried about, right? Somebody told me I couldn't
1: do it. So here we go. I'm going to do this now. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, this is great information. We'll, we'll attempt to get your word out there to everybody. I'll be sure and put your contact information when, when we post the interview that people can reach out to you on a case-by-case or maybe get a, a box of cards or something that they they want to use to hand out. But I think it's fantastic. I, I'm glad we had this conversation. It's an area a lot of us, I think, don't think about, but it's extremely important to the success. It's kind of that part B, of of the success, you know, once yeah, once they're cool. ready to get some help.
1: That's a really so. good way to put it. And I really appreciate your your interest and your advocacy as well. I know that what you do is 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 really really important. Um, you know, to safely identify these people and remove them from the clinical setting. And if this you know this um if we can hand off these these individuals Mm -hmm. from person to person treatment team to treatment team and really uh create a comprehensive plan for recovery uh, including the financial piece i think that we can see a lot more success and ultimately what's going to happen is that the public is going to be safer because that's really the the ultimate goal here
0: absolutely patients and healthcare professionals everybody yeah absolutely all right Mm -hmm. thank you very much aaron for your time
1: Ah, I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. All righty. Okay. Take care.
0: All right. Bye-bye.